My name's Dave. I'm one of the uh, ministers on staff here. I'd like to begin by telling you a story about a lady by the name of Suzanne Edwards. Suzanne Edwards found a deflated blue helium balloon in her backyard. She lives in Monroe, Georgia. And attached to that deflated balloon was a picture, appeared to be of a mom and dad and a little boy, and they all seemed so very, very happy. And attached to that picture was this note, childlike printing, and this is what the note said. Dad, I wish you were here so we could have fun together. I wish you a Merry Christmas. I hope you tell God to give me those presents. I hope you are happy in heaven. If you are okay, then tell me. I love you, Alejandro. Suzanne found out that the person who wrote that note was seven-year-old Alejandro Garcia Heroes whose home was about 20 miles from hers. Three years before, Alejandro had been living with his parents in Cucuta, Colombia. His father, Carlos, was a law professor. He was an outspoken proponent of law enforcement. And on December 4th, 2013, Carlos was gunned down in the streets right in front of his son, Alejandro. Subsequently, Alejandro's mom and moved to the United States. But every year, about this same time of year, Alejandro would write a note to his dad and attach it to a helium balloon in hopes that it would get to his dad in heaven. Now, Alejandro didn't understand about space and distance and all of that, but he did believe that heaven was up. He did believe that that was where he needed to send his message so that he could get his message to his dad. Today, we're asking the question, what's up with heaven? Well, we understand that heaven is up. But what else do we understand? And and when we say to someone, hey, what's up? What do we really mean by that question? We're asking a whole host of other questions, aren't we? How's your day going? How's your week been? What's going on in your life? And when we talk about what is up with heaven, there are some things about heaven that we really need to understand. And and, and I, I think it's important for us to understand that heaven is up, and that's a that's a good way for us to begin to think today. And and I'd like for you to think about what your picture may be of heaven. And how did you get the picture that you have? And where does that come from? Justin Moore had a great country song a couple of years ago. It said, if heaven wasn't so far away, I'd pack up the kids and spend the day. And when I, when I first heard that song, I thought, man, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great to be able to go to heaven and, and just, just visit? I'm, I'm not ready to move there yet, but wouldn't it be great? And, and the, the imagery of packing up the kids, going to heaven... Spending the day, and that was that was the thought behind Justin Moore's song. Um, Vince Gill wrote the song "Go Rest High on That Mountain." He wrote that after the death of a loved, a close friend, a guy he loved much, worked together with, close, close friend. 
Go rest high on that mountain. The imagery and the pictures that we get. You go all the way back to 1949, and even Louis Armstrong had a picture of heaven. Because he talked about that lucky old son that rolled around heaven with nothing to do all day long. That lucky old son. What is the picture of up? What is the picture of heaven for you? And that's what I'd like for us to think about. And so I've mentioned some songs. I'd like for you to think about some of your favorite songs. Growing up in the Kaimishis, little kid down in southeast Oklahoma, I had, I had three songs that I loved to sing. One is, this world is not my home. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And the other one, I'll fly away. And then the third one was, Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. I could get that, I could get that picture in my head. And I'm sure that heaven had to do something with, with the mountains in, in the Kaimishis, and just a cabin anywhere in there would be really nice. So what do you think heaven will be like? When you, when, you, when you think about that, how many of you think heaven is going to be this continual Sunday morning worship? And, and how many of you think that for you, when you sing on su- continual Sunday morning worship, you're going to sing your songs, and the guy next to you is going to sing his songs, and we're all going to sound great. We're all going to sing together. And it's a continual worship time. We go to church every day. What do we get to do today? We get to go to church today. You know, and some people are beginning to go, wait a minute, I don't know if I want to go to heaven if that's what we're going to do. But, but we know there's a lot of praise in heaven. How about the next one? Personal me time with God. How Do you have this thought that when I get to heaven, I'm going to get Jesus in a room and I'm going to sit down and he's going to explain to me a lot of stuff. You've got some explaining to do, Lord, and you've got some stuff I need you to cover and we were thinking about it just this personal me time. You know, I, I, I hope that my personal me time with God isn't 26,000 years into the future. But if it is, that's okay because we've got eternity, right? So what do, you, what do you picture about heaven? Would you, please, would you please do me this favor? And that if you think that when we get to heaven we all become angels, would you please get rid of that thought? Because there's no place in the Bible that it tells you that, all right? I know that you want to think that your pet muppy is, is now an angel in heaven. I know you want to think that, but there's nothing in the scripture that says that. There's nothing that says that grandma is now my angel. There's nothing. Would, please, just, I mean, and if you got to have that, you know, please, please, please let that just be something you keep really on the down low. What do you think heaven is going to be like? Well, we've talked about a lot of our impressions. Let's see what God says, okay? Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 14. And in John, the Gospel of John chapter 14, we're going to read the first six verses. And let's see what Jesus, how Jesus described heaven. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Isn't that great news? He had just told his disciples that that he was going to die, and they were all upset. And Jesus said to them, don't let your heart be troubled. 
don't, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, right? Well, now, believe also in me. Well, yes, Lord, I, I believe in you. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me. And then notice verse 2. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Interesting wording. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And then he says, verse 4, and you know the way to the place where I'm going. Don't you love Thomas? Uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That, that is the picture that I hope we can come away with today, our picture of heaven. Don't let your hearts be troubled. If you have made your peace with God, you believe in God, you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. You believe in Jesus. Jesus says, I am going to prepare a place for you. And when I get that place finished, I will come and get you and I will bring you back and you will be where I am. And you know the way, but we sometimes like Thomas go, Lord, I'm not sure. And then the Lord says, I'm the way. I am the way. Folks, whatever we may believe about heaven, whatever's up with heaven, whatever questions you have about heaven, whatever doubts you may have about heaven, you need to understand this, that Jesus is the way that we get there. He's the one who has prepared it for us and we will be where he is. Now, I know that there are a lot of people in our world that don't believe that way. The famous atheist Stephen Hawking said, there is no heaven, it's a fairy story. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. I hope there's an afterlife for computers because I've got some I'd like to send to some of those places. But, but what is Hawking saying? Hawking is saying, hey, you're just this slick-looking computer, and when you're dead, you're dead, and that's all there is. It is interesting. The Pew Research Center did a recent survey, and in their survey, they found that across the board, 72% of Americans believe in heaven. 58% of them believe in hell. And here was the interesting thing about that study. Of those who identified themselves as atheists, agnostics, or as nuns, N-O-N-E-S, those who identified themselves as I don't believe in anything. 
in that group, 37% say they believe in heaven. And 27% say they believe in hell. That group, Stephen Hawking's group. Now maybe Hawking doesn't, but he's got people in his own group. So what's up with that? Why? Why would a person who does not believe in Jesus, who does not believe in God, who does not believe in heaven, why would they, I mean, why would they still believe, yeah, there is probably a heaven, there is an afterlife. Let me, get, let me suggest, this is my suggestion, but it comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He has set eternity in the human heart, and yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Why, why would a person who says, I don't believe in God, but I believe there's a possibility of heaven. Why would a person who would say, I, I, just, I, just, I, I just can't believe in, in all that Bible stuff, but there probably is a place of punishment. Why would they do that? According to Ecclesiastes, it is because God has placed within our heart this sense of eternity. And we can't fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end, but, but there's something in there. And so whether you today are readily believing in heaven, or whether you're struggling with it, but you don't, you don't know even why you think that it's a possibility, let me suggest to you that it is perhaps because God has placed within your heart this concept of eternity, this concept of life beyond this life. And because that's in there, it may be causing you today to say, you know, I, I've seen a lot of bad things in my life and I've, see, I've seen a lot of problems that make me doubt but yet there's still something in there. And that's where I want us to be today. I want us to understand that's what's up with heaven. Today we're going to look at five reasons why we can believe in heaven. And they are reasons that are based on God's word. Here's reason number one. First reason, our Redeemer is in heaven. If you're going to fill out the blank, fill in the blanks in the sermon page, then, then, then that's the first one you're going to fill in. Our Redeemer is in heaven. And I want you to, I want you to focus Acts chapter 7, verses 55 and 56. That passage records the stoning death of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And in verses 55 and 56... Luke records, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Our Redeemer is in heaven. I can believe that heaven is real because my Redeemer is there. He's there already. It is interesting Other scripture talks about how that Jesus, when he completed his work on Calvary, ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And it's significant, I think, as Stephen looks up, Jesus has come to his feet, almost as if to give witness and encouragement, standing at the right hand of God, 
viewing Stephen dying for his faith in the Lord. My Redeemer is in heaven. I want to go there because my Redeemer's there. The one who has saved me is there. Here's the second reason. Our relationships are in heaven. Let me just give you a, give you a, a short commercial for our adult Bible class. I told our class this morning that we began a, we began a series on study of, of heaven. Started that today. And I said the reason we're doing a whole series on it is because you can't cover heaven in one day. And you can't cover it in just one sermon. And so I invite you. Sorry, other teachers. Don't mean to rob your classes. But it is important for us to understand these truths about heaven because we live in a time in which people want there to be something more than all of the trouble that they see now. Well, here's one reason to believe it. Our, my Redeemer is in heaven. And here's the second one. Our relationships are in heaven. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, you often hear this verse read at funerals. But verse 14 says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who've fallen asleep in him. I'm not going to be in heaven all by myself. I will be reunited. You may want to add a note in the margin to your notes, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It was there John, John writes, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. You get this picture that relationships, people I know and brothers and sisters in Christ that I have yet to meet, we will all be together. We will all be gathered around the throne. We will all be in the presence of the Redeemer who is there. I want to go to heaven. I want to know the truth about heaven and the truth about heaven. This is what's up with heaven. Relationships will be there. We talked a lot in class today about uh, we don't know exactly what we'll look like. How old will we be? You know, what, what will that be like? But we do know this. According to what scripture says, there will be this recognition. We will be in this place together. Now here's the third reason. The third reason, our resources are in heaven. Think with me just a minute about that. You'll notice listed there is a passage from Matthew chapter 6. And that passage from Matthew 6 is where Jesus urged us not to be concerned about earthly treasures, but to lay up treasures in heaven where they will not ruin or be stolen or corrupted. My resources are in heaven. I, I, I want to go to heaven. I believe in heaven. My, that's where my real resources are. The Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven, 
who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's, that's my resource. How do I apply those resources now? How do I draw from those resources now? How do you access the resources in your bank account now? Well, you go to an ATM machine or you write a check. How do you access, you, go to, you make the transaction with God saying, God, I trust you and I ask you, I believe you will meet these needs and my resources are secured in heaven and they are available. It's not just later you're going to get something, but they are available even now. Here's the fourth reason. The fourth reason is our residence is in heaven. Now, earlier we read words of comfort and hope in John chapter 14. He promised that he's going there to prepare a place for us. And that's, that's my residence. That's, that's where I will go someday. The place is prepared for me. Another song from my childhood I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we'll never more wander but walk on streets that are pure as gold. That's that's where I'm going. That's my residence. I can give you my address now, but that's not my true residence. That's the space I occupy now. I can't give you my address in heaven yet. It's still under construction. But the Lord is the one who is constructing. And he says, when it's time for you to move in, I'll come and get you. Folks, I want us to think about that just for a moment. The greatest fear that the evil one, our enemy, throws at us is the fear of death. The greatest fear that we have is, oh no, I'll die. And look at how Jesus looks at that. When it's ready, I'll come get you. It's not like I have to go figure it out for myself. It's not like I have to wander around hoping I can find directions. Roseanne and I recently were on vacation and we utilized our Google Maps on the phone and could broadcast it through the speaker system in the car once I figured out how to do it. And there were times when we were, and, and it's amazing how quickly we begin to, to assign her a personality. And we, I said things like, she needs to be telling me pretty soon, I think we're getting close. As if, and then she would tell me, oh, she heard me. And there were poor times when the poor girl would have to say, all right, go around and do a, you know, double back, turn around. And there were times when she just seemed to be lost. And so we'd pull into a parking lot and I'd turn off the phone and I'd turn off the car and I'd wait 30 seconds and then I'd fire it all back up. 
And then it was almost, you could hear it in her voice, okay, we'll try again, but pay attention this time. (laughs) How quickly we assign personality to things like that. I don't need Google Maps to know how to find my residence. The one who is constructing my residence, when when he takes the last walk around and checks it out, says it's good. I'm going to go get Dave. And he shows up and he says, Dave, your place is ready. Let's go. He doesn't say, go down to the end of the street, turn left, turn right, go up four flights, down two. He comes and he says, let's go. I'll take you there. That's my residence. Now, folks, this is important for us to understand. You can look at your life as simply a collection of computer parts that eventually will wear out. Or you can look at your life as that which has been constructed by God, preparing who has prepared a place for you, and then he will come and get you when it's time to go there. There is no hesitancy. There is no question. There is no fear. That's my residency. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven because my Redeemer's there. I I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven because in heaven, my resources are there. I want to go to heaven because this is my residence. But here's, here's one last thing we need to understand. In Paul's letter to the Philippians in chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, He says, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Again, I don't know what that's exactly going to look like, but I'm ready ready for the transformation. We talked in class about what's the first thing you're going to do when you get to heaven. And we talked about seeing people. In, and I shared, first thing I'm going to do when I get to heaven is I'm going to finally hear in stereo. You know, I, I've had one ear that has never worked. And I've learned to cope. I do these cute little 360 dances when somebody says, hey Dave, over here. Means nothing. Over here is meaningless So I do this rotation until I can get line of sight. When I get to heaven, the Lord says, over here, I'll know. Do we understand? This is heaven. This is what's up with heaven. Here's the fifth reason. The fifth reason is this. Our reservation is in heaven. Luke chapter 10 records the time when Jesus had sent out some of his disciples and they came back telling about their success and they were so excited and and they said, Lord, even the demons obeyed us. And Jesus said to them, that's great guys, but even greater truth is that your name has been written in heaven. 
your reservation's been made. In the 19th chapter of John, he tells of a conversation that he had with an angel. He said, the angel then said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. In class we talked about, well, if there's a wedding supper, there's going to be something good to eat when we get there. My reservation has been made. In chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, we read these words. John says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. My reservation, my name's been written there. We sometimes would sing the song, Is Your Name Written There on the Pages White and Fair? Earlier we talked about favorite songs. Here's another one that was mentioned. And that's the song I can only imagine. I love this phrase in the song. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I recently read about an accomplished Christian musician, singer. She had been invited to sing at a very upscale wedding The family that was having the wedding spared no expense. Well known throughout the city of Seattle. And as a result of her having been invited to sing, she was also invited to the reception that would follow. And she had sung beautifully at the the wedding. She and her husband were going to the reception. They were so excited. And when they arrived at the hotel that was on the top floor, downtown, skyrise in Seattle, beautiful, beautiful. The maitre d' was wearing a tux. The waiters were in white tuxes. It was lavish. And she watched as the people approached and the maitre d' opened the book and and then the maitre d' would step back and would introduce them. This is so-and-so. And she came and she gave her name and the maitre d' went down to the line of the book and he said, now what's your name again? And she went down again. He went down again. He said, spell that for me. And she spelled it and he said, ma'am, your name is not here. And she said, but I'm, and she gave him her name. And she said, and I sang at the wedding. And the maitre d' said, ma'am, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you did. 
if your name is not here, you don't get into the reception. And he motioned, and waiters came and escorted her and her husband to the elevator to the parking garage. And on their way home, their husband just said, Honey, what just happened? And she started to cry. She said, when I got the invitation to the reception, I was really, really busy, and it had the RSVP in there, and I just never mailed it back. Besides, I was the singer. Folks, it doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is, is your name here? Has your reservation been made? Father, I thank you that you, by your grace, not by our goodness, by your mercy, not by our achievement, through the blood of Christ, our name is written in the book of life. Father, I'm so thankful for all that is up with heaven. And Lord, I pray right now, if there's anyone whose name is not in that book now, that there will be no hesitation to humbly surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord to be cleansed by the blood of Christ, to be buried in his death and raised to walk in a new life. Father, I thank you that that's possible. In Jesus' name.